Last year wasn't too bad. This year started out on a bumpy road. I'm gonna need a lot more than street smarts to crack these cases. These New Year mysteries. I love my job, but sometimes it doesn't seem to love me back. I did what I had to do to gain this seat. Did all the right things, played it clean, blood, sweat, and tears into my work. And now they want to take it from me. I guess you could call it a stolen promotion, but it feels like a broken promise. By who? Hey guys, if you're uh, looking for me, I'm not actually up there at the front. I'm back here. All right, back here. They'll put the camera here in a minute. I think they'll move the camera here in a minute. There you go, watch that camera. We're waiting for that camera right there on that big long arm. Uh, that's to the side, that's the wrong camera. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> the reason I'm back here is because, you know, when we think about promotion, we think about leadership, we tend to think about the front, don't we? Right? We want to get to the corner office or something like that. When in reality, leadership or promotion doesn't begin in the front. It actually begins, well, a lot of times if you're in business, it begins with a mop in the janitor's closet. Or maybe in church, it begins in the pew or in this case, the seats. I know for me, years ago, it began in the parking lot. The Bible says in Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 10, look what it says. It says, does anyone dare despise the day of small beginnings? So in other words, rather than a rush to get to the front, maybe there's something about where we're at even today. Because, you know, when it comes to promotion, when it comes to getting the raise or going, you know, moving up the ladder, it, it's really not about whether that person, because you might look, you know, the office in front of you, and that person might not be as smart as you. They might not be as gifted as you. But promotion is about our ability to handle stress, our ability to deal with trouble. Because when you're asking for promotion, really what you're asking for, yeah, I know, more money we hope, but right, you're asking for more trouble. You're asking to have the ability to be able to solve problems. That's who companies pay more money to or small businesses. Promotion is about the ability to deal with stress and challenge and trouble and solve problems. And when you and I get to a place in our lives where we're kind of like, you know what, I just can't handle it anymore. I I'm just overwhelmed and I'm stressed out. What we're really saying is I'm content with where I'm at. I I'm not going to progress any further. I was thinking about it this week, and I, I think this. I think that so many times what we want to do is we would love for promotion or success 
to actually be like this little lift here or to be like uh, an elevator. You just kind of push the button and you rise on up to the next job. You rise up to the next office. You get out and you're like, I'm here. It was easy. All I had to do was push a button and I got the promotion. I, I got the raise. I went up to the next level. But that's not real life, is it? And that's not what the scripture actually teaches. In reality, promotion looks a lot different than just jumping on a lift or an elevator. The Bible tells us, and life reveals to us, I guess is the best way to say it, is that it's not like an elevator or a lift. In reality, promotion is more like a stairway, isn't it? In other words, what the Bible says is that you and I take a step and then we've got to learn how to deal with this step that we've just taken. The challenges that come with it and the trouble that comes with it. And as we begin to discover how to deal with that, then we take another step. And as we learn to deal with that, then we take another step. In other words, there's a process and there's a journey in which we actually become that for which God created us. We live in that in which Jesus came and died for us. But we all come to those points, you, you might say those steps, where we're like, man, this, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can handle anymore. I don't know if I can deal with anymore. There's even a temptation sometimes to back away from the trouble, to back away from the stress. But what God wants to do is use where we're at today, you might say the step that you and I are on, so that we can begin to develop and grow until we reach the destiny or experience the promotion for which we were created. If you pull out that outline that you got when you came in, I, I think that this <clears throat> is important. Where do these promotions come from? Well, look what the scripture says in Psalm 75. It says, there's no power on earth that can make a person important. God is the judge. He decides who will be important. He lifts one person up, and he brings another down. Now, we know the heart of God when it comes to promotion. Because he tells us in a passage of scripture that if you've hung out at Potential very long, you've heard me share on multiple times. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know what I have planned for you, says the Lord. I have plans to what? Yeah, to prosper, to promote you, not to harm you. Now, according to scripture, in many different places, you and I were created by God so that we could be promoted. I mean, there's, there's really no doubt about this. But just as sure as God created us in order to succeed or live our destiny, the Bible also makes it clear that there's a thief. And unlike all the other weeks that we've been talking about, there's no mystery this weekend about who has or who is trying to steal that promotion from us. There is a thief, and look what the scripture says in John 10, 10. It says who the thief is. The thief's purpose, and, and what do thieves do? Why do we call them thieves? What's their ultimate goal? It's to steal, isn't it? That's why we call them a thief. And you know the other thing I know about thieves? Thieves are sneaky, aren't they? Have you ever had somebody call you up on the phone at about 8 o'clock and say, hey, I'm going to be there at 10, leave the doors unlocked. You know, I, no, no, thieves don't, they don't reveal to you when they're coming. They, they're sneaky. 
And our enemy or our thief is the same way. He's sneaky in his efforts to steal from you the promotion for which Jesus died so you and I could experience. The thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and destroy. Jesus said, my purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. But in order for the enemy to steal, what do you and I have to do? We have to leave the doors unlocked. Kind of like I've got a door back here. And anybody, here, anybody here grow up in a town where, uh, just a little small town, and you were able to leave your doors unlocked? Anybody grow up in a town like that where you left your doors unlocked? All right, a few of us. Let me ask you another way. How many of you lock your doors every night? You might want to raise your hand even if you don't, because we might have a few thieves here, okay? <laughs> right? You and let me ask another question. How many of you have an alarm in your home or your car, all right? Because we want to know that if the thief opens the door, now that alarm doesn't do anything to the thief. That alarm simply makes you aware of the fact that there is one with the idea that you can do something about the thief. Well, Scripture's the same way. The Scripture wants to awaken us, wants to alarm us that we do have a thief, an enemy, who wants to rob from you your destiny and your promotion, which the Scripture is clear about that God desires for you to experience. Now, he uses some different tools. And can I tell you up front that the tools the enemy uses aren't the ones you think, right? We're talking about the devil, Satan. And so when we think about this enemy, we tend to think that he's going to come in a tank with a machine gun, right? In other words, it's going to be overtly spiritual. It's going to be loud. It's going to be powerful. But remember, he's a thief. And he doesn't come in a tank. He comes sneaky with a pouch, with some tools to try to unlock the door of your life so that he can walk in and steal what God desires for you to have. Let me give you three. There are a lot of different ones we could talk about, but I just want to give you three. Here's the first one. The first tool the enemy uses is the tool of procrastination. Procrastina procrastination. He tries to use this tool to pick the lock to the door of your life. Procrastination, that I'll do it later mindset. Let's look what the scripture says. There's a great story Jesus is talking about. And like I said, procrastination, it's not a tank. It's sneaky, right? Because we all wrestle with this. Look what it says in Luke chapter 12. It says, imagine the stories of two household managers and decide for yourself which one is faithful and smart. Each household manager is told by the master to take good care of all of his possessions and to oversee the other employees, the butlers, the cooks, the gardens, and so on. One servant immediately busies himself and doing just what he was told. Don't miss that. Immediately busies himself doing just what he was told. His master eventually comes back to check on him. And let's read that part that's underlined up there out loud together if we could at all of our campuses, rewards him with a major, uh, one more time, let's read it again, rewards him with a promotion. Why? Because he, he, he was ready. So the one 
who immediately, when, when the boss leaves, he doesn't say, I'll do it later. He doesn't say, I've got plenty of time. No, he immediately does what he was asked to do. And when the supervisor comes, he gets a promotion with more responsibility and trust. The other household manager thinks, look, my boss is going to be gone for a long time. I can be complacent. Or you could say, I can procrastinate. There's no urgency here. Now notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that he doesn't like his boss. It doesn't say that he doesn't like his job. It doesn't say that he's not going to do it. It just says that he wasn't in a hurry. He just wasn't going to do it today because he thought that he had plenty of time. He procrastinated. And as a result, the scripture says, so he beats the other employees, the women as well as the men. He sits around like a slob, eating and getting drunk. If this was written in 2017, it would say he, you know, lives in his mother's basement playing video games. <clears throat> but then the boss comes home, what's that next word? Unexpectedly and catches him by surprise. Isn't that the way it always happens? Right? I mean, when the alarm goes off in the morning and you hit that button that says snooze, and, and all of a sudden you're late for work and you think, man, where did the time go? Right? I mean, it catches you by surprise. Those of you who are over the age of 40 realize that life catches you by surprise. That all of a sudden you're like, how did I get old? <laughs> when did that happen? You look in the mirror and you're like, that's, 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 that's not me. How, how can this be? And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that what the enemy wants to do is just to get you to procrastinate. To get you to put off to tomorrow instead of today. Because eventually if you do that, you miss what? Opportunities. And opportunities are what open the door to your destiny. Not because the opportunities weren't there, but because you and I procrastinated. And Jesus couldn't make it really much clearer, could he? than to say one of the tools the enemy uses is not some big spiritual tank throwing bombs here and there where you can say, oh my gosh, it's a spiritual attack. No, 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 just procrastination. Just the inability to act upon what we plan on doing, what we know we should do, just not today, just not now. And he, he, he goes on and he says, the boss comes unexpectedly, catches him by surprise, one household manager will be fortunate indeed. He gets the promotion. But the other will be cut into pieces and thrown out. If you are given much, much will be required of you. If much is entrusted to you, much will be expected of you. So, so, so what is the scripture telling us here? It's telling us that in order to experience promotion, because remember what the scripture says, promotion comes from God. It doesn't come from the east. It doesn't come from the west. In order to experience the promotion that you desire, you want to step up in your finances, you want to step up in your career, you want to step up in your relationships, what is Jesus saying? He's saying the first thing you must do is be responsible with what you presently have, the step you are presently on. Don't spend so much time worrying about 
where you want to be as if instead asking the question, am I being responsible with what, with what I have? Or am I waiting? <laughs> am I putting off? Am I procrastinating? You know, kids do it like this, right? If you've, how many of you have ever had kids or were a kid? Let me see your hand, all right? Children love pets, and they love to, you know, if you've ever had kids, they're like, Mommy, Daddy, can I get a dog or a cat or a fish or a hamster or a snake or whatever it is that they want? And, and you know, it's, Daddy, can I have a dog? Mommy, can I have a dog? And, and, and most parents, the first time they're asked, are, answer something to this effect. You don't even clean your room. Who's going to take care of Fluffy, right? Now, how does every child in the world answer that question? Mom, Dad, I don't care about my room, but I'll love Fluffy. I'll take care of Fluffy. Just give me a chance. I promise I will. Now, should you believe your child and get your child Fluffy, who's going to take care of Fluffy? You are because there is a principle at work here. It's exactly what Jesus is talking about. But if you're not responsible with what you have, you will not be responsible in the future. If God can't trust me with what he's given me, why in the world would I think he would trust me with more? Now, as a pastor, I've, I've seen this. I mean, I've been in ministry, goodness, getting close to almost 30 years. I'm one of those old people, okay? And, and, and this is what has happened over and over, is I'll have people come up to me and they'll be saying, uh, they'll say, hey, Troy, I've got this business opportunity. And I'm telling you, if this thing goes through, we're going to launch 10 campuses. We're going to replace those ugly green chairs with some nicer looking ones. We're going to get rid of the carpet. We're going to update the two-decade-old sound system. I'm telling you, Troy, you need to pray that this deal goes through. Now, this is my experience in 30 years of ministry, is that I haven't seen not one time if that person is not responsible with what they have. In other words, if they're not presently generous with what they do have, I've never seen, even when the deal goes through, them be generous with what additionally they receive or keep their word. Never. Not one time have I seen that. Why? Because this principle is at play. This whole idea of procrastination. It's so easy, isn't it? Right? Just to hit the snooze button. And, and, and before long, right, we, time goes by, catches us off guard. We tend to blame others. Right? We tend to blame, oh, I had a flat tire, there was traffic. We got all of these reasons in our mind why we were late and missed the opportunity. But in reality, it's just that the enemy used procrastination to steal that promotion or that opportunity from us. It happens. It happens all the time. I know I've seen in, in my life where one of the things is that I've said is over the years is I, I want to write a book I've started and I've stopped uh, and, and I don't have one and the main reason I don't have one is in my mind I have all kinds of reasons why I don't but the reality is it's just because I have procrastinated 
And there's no doubt in my mind that I have missed opportunities in the future because I haven't been obedient in that area where I am. The enemy has been allowed in to steal from me something that he doesn't own. And so the alarm in our life goes off. Procrastination. But there's a second one that I wanted to talk about, and it's pleasure. Pleasure can distract us from our promotion. And, and here's what I mean by this is <clears throat> you're going to go home in just a few hours. And are you going to watch television, Netflix, or YouTube, or are you going to read a book? I mean, are you going to make the easy decision, or are you going to make the pleasurable decision? We face that every single day. And again, that doesn't seem like a spiritual decision, right? I mean, it's, I'm watching a clean show. Nothing evil about the show. But I'm choosing the pleasure over the opportunity to grow. Now, Solomon was this incredibly wise guy. He was king of Israel. And he's one of the kings of Israel that all the other nations surrounding Israel were uh, influenced by him because of his wealth and because of his power. And at the end of his life, he writes the book Ecclesiastes. It's a kind of a depressing book because he realizes that all the things he thought was important really weren't important. Look what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 1. He says, I said to myself, come, let's try pleasure. Let's do it the easy instead of the hard. Let's look for good things in life. But I found that this too was, was meaningless. In other words, it, it, it didn't get me anywhere. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. In other words, I did whatever I wanted to do. I did whatever felt good, whatever was easy. But as I looked at everything I had worked uh, so hard to accomplish, it was, it was meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. There really, uh, nothing really worthwhile. And then Solomon again writes in the book of Proverbs, chapter 25, verse 28. A person without self-control is like a house with its doors and windows knocked out. Some translations say that a person without self-discipline is like a city without a wall. And in ancient times, what was the wall? The wall was protection from the thieves or protection from the enemies. Here's the way that I, I put it in my notes is that a person without self-control is like an unlocked life. The thief just comes in and steals. He just comes right into our life and he takes whatever he wants. Why? Because rather than being disciplined, we are distracted. And we miss opportunities. Not because they're not there. Not because God doesn't desire for you and me to be promoted. But simply because we choose to do what is easy over what is difficult. I, I wrote it in my notes. Anyone can do the easy. It is the difficult, though, that gets promoted. So let's think back. I'm just, let's think the last week, okay? Think about the last week. Think about work and whatever it is you've done in the last week. How many times did you choose the easy as opposed to the discipline? In other words, let's just walk through a few of these things. You know what time you have to get up every morning. So did you choose to go to bed so that you could get enough hours of sleep so that you would wake up at the time that you were supposed to wake up? Or did you do the easy and just go to bed when really ever you were tired? 
See, it's so easy to become the victim. It's so easy to blame the fact that I was late upon all these other things when in reality, what the scripture is trying to teach us is that I didn't have or you didn't have the discipline to go to bed. Before you're ever going to be able to get up consistently at a time in which you can succeed, you're first going to have to discipline yourselves to go at a time to go to bed. That's the first discipline. And then when the alarm goes off, did you hit the snooze? Or did you get up at the difficult time so that you could hang out with God? So that you could spend 10, 15 minutes in prayer, 10, 15 minutes reading through his word. That's not easy. <laughs> but that's where opportunity comes. Were you early to work or were you late? And you think that your supervisor, you believe that your employer ought to understand that you've got all of these responsibilities and it really wasn't your fault, it's somebody else's fault. Did you do the easy or did you do the difficult? Did you eat the brownie or did you say no? Right? All these things that we tend not to think of as spiritual are the very things that the enemy, he's not in a tank, I'm telling you. It's not just adultery that robs you of your promotion. It's not just sexual sin that robs you of your promotion. It's not just losing your temper. It's, just not, it's not just throwing out profanity. It's not just finding yourself in, uh, drunk. No, no, it's procrastination. It's choosing the easy over the difficult that the enemy uses. Just a little leather pouch unlocks your door. And unless you and I have an alarm, he robs from us the very thing that according to Psalm 139, God created you and I to experience. There is procrastination. There is pleasure. Don't leave that too early, though. Walk through the week. Maybe in the last 24 hours. Maybe even this morning. I, 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 and let me just challenge you here a little bit. One of the things in the 17 years I've been at Potential Church is to try to get folks to come to Saturday night. Do we do what's easy or do we do what's disciplined? It matters. It matters in all these areas of our lives. And then here's the last one that I want us to talk about is, is pride. Now, pride's sneaky, right? Because I doubt that any of us would admit to being prideful, right? If we had confession booths labeled different things, I think pride would probably be the last one. Now, we might all go to pride just because we don't think it's that bad, right? But it's sneaky. Pride is sneaky. <clears throat> now, remember, remember where we started. Promotion doesn't come from the east or the west. Promotion comes from God. So what is God's perspective on pride? Well, in Daniel chapter 5, Daniel is talking to King Belshazzar about his father, King Nebuchadnezzar. And look at what he says. He says, listen, O king, the high God gave your father Nebuchadnezzar a great kingdom. Who gave Nebuchadnezzar a great kingdom? What, what does it say? Who? Who? Yeah, God does. God, that's what Daniel says. God gave your father, Nebuchadnezzar, a great kingdom and a glorious reputation because God made him famous. Who made Nebuchadnezzar famous? 
God did according to the scripture. People from everywhere, whatever race, color, creed, were totally intimidated by him. He killed or spared people on a whim. He promoted or humiliated people capriciously. He developed a big head and a hard spirit. What does that mean? He was prideful. Nebuchadnezzar forgot who made him famous. He forgot who gave him a great kingdom. He started to believe it was because of his intelligence. It was because of his wisdom. It was because of his hard work. Because he had put good leaders around him. Because he had studied hard when he was a student. Whatever it was. But then it says, then God knocked him off his high horse and stripped him of his fame. He was thrown out of the human company. He lost his mind and lived like a wild animal until he learned this lesson that the high God rules kingdoms. Who rules kingdoms? God does. Now, I, I got to tell you, that's encouraging to me. When I read the high God rules human kingdoms and puts anyone he wants in charge. I love what Daniel said. Because, see, I know something about myself. My abilities are limited. There's some things I'm just not good at. There's some skills that I just do not have. And according to Scripture, my promotion is not solely dependent upon my ability. It's not solely dependent upon what I am capable of doing. According to Daniel, it is God who puts people wherever he wants them to be and there is no limitation to my God because he's all-powerful all-knowing and everywhere at one time that means I can succeed I can accomplish my destiny and live my purpose because my success is not limited by my ability it is determined by this all-powerful God who I am in a personal relationship with so when I read Daniel chapter 5 Man, I get really encouraged for me, and I get really encouraged for you. Because if you're honest, you're limited. And maybe some of us, your whole life, you've looked around and thought that you could never simply because you have some limitations in your life. And I just want to remind you that your limitations have nothing to do with your ability to be promoted. Because whatever limitations you have, God can more than make up for. That's what Daniel said. And Nebuchadnezzar forgot that. He started to think it was, see, that's the hard part of success. See, whatever success you've had, the ten, what's the tendency? To think you earned it. Why do you have your job and somebody else doesn't? Is it because you're smarter? Because you worked harder? Because you went to college and they didn't? Because you saved and they didn't? See, there's a tendency to believe that our that our success, our promotion, is because of who we are. And the Bible simply calls that prideful. See, I wanted to compare what he told, what Daniel told Belshazzar within the New Testament, because what's the antithesis of pride? It's humility, isn't it? Look what James 4.10 says. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will what? lift you. If I humble myself, he will lift me. Look what it says in 1 Peter 5, 6. So humble yourself under the mighty power of God and at the right time. Now be honest, I don't like that part. I, I get frustrated sometimes. I want it on my time. 
I'd like for it to happen when I want it to happen. And sometimes I don't even understand why it has yet to happen in different areas of my life. Those are, those are faith-building times. It's when I'm tested. It's when I'm most tempted to doubt. It's when God doesn't do what I thought he would do when I thought he would. But the scripture says it's a promise. And uh, if I submit or humble myself under the mighty power of God and at the right time, he will what? Lift you up. So pride is that sneaky tool that the enemy uses to try to get into my life so that he can steal from me the promotion that God promised me and then he came and died on the cross and paid for me to experience. Now, I put this in my notes, humility, because what is it? What is humility? I mean, how would you define that if your life depended on it? What would you write down? What is humility? Humility is not saying that our joy, our money, our strength, our job comes from God. That's not humility. People do that all the time. They'll say things all the time. I, man, I'm so thankful for my job. I know God gave it to me. I'm so thankful for my home. I know God gave it to me. I'm so thankful for my wife or my husband or my kids. I know God gave them to me. I, I mean, I'm just thankful for the fact that, that God's blessed me, you know, with this or that. I'm, I'm I just, man, I, I'm so thankful. That is not humility. And the reason, now there's not, it's not that it's bad. It's just that that alone is not humility. Because lots of people say that. Jesus even said that the, the enemy, right, the demons believe that there's a God, talk about God. What I wrote in my notes is humility is not saying that our joy, money, strength, job comes from God, but living as if it really does. See, humility is not what you say with your mouth. Humility is what you say with your life. It's how you and I live our lives. Do we live our lives only saying that God is the one who gave it to me? Or do I live my life in such a way that I'm living as if that were true? Well, how do you do that? How do you live as if it were true? If God is really the one who gave you and me everything we have, then we will live in what? In obedience to him. If I gave you a million dollars, gave it to you, not, you didn't earn it, you didn't work for it, I gave it to you. And you went out and, and I said, hey, if you need more, come back. But here's what I need you to do, these three things. If you don't do these three things, then you're positioning yourself, I'm not going to give you any more. Now, if you really believed I had another million dollars to give you, what would you do? You would do the three things I asked, wouldn't you? If you didn't do those three things, then it would be pretty obvious that you actually didn't believe either one, I didn't give it to you in the first place, or two, I don't have any more to give you. Well, the same thing is true when we think about humility in the eyes of God. The scripture has so much to say about parenting, a business, marriage, sex, money. I mean, all these areas of our lives, God says, here's where I want, the way in which I want you to live. And if you do, I'm promising, I'm your shepherd, you'll have everything you need. I'll take care of those financial needs that you have. You'll never have to be stressful about money uh, again. I will provide. You, you won't have to, this is the way that you can uh, impact your kids. Here's how you can have uh, an incredible marriage. Here's the way to handle. And if we really believe that, then humbly, what do we do? We do what he asks us to do, even though our skin battles against that. 
and the culture around us tells us we're crazy. See, pride, procrastination, and pleasure are those things. Again, I wrote, pride is when you and I take control. Confidence is in me. Humility, it follows. My confidence is in God. And so I want to make sure that my life lines up with him. So what if this thief has used the tool of pride or procrastination or pleasure to steal your promotion? In other words, you look around and you know, you know you're you were created for more than what you're experiencing. What happens if you look around and you know that your life, there's got to be more to it. This can't be all there is. This can't be what God had in mind for you. But if you're honest, you also know that there have been times when you've procrastinated. When you put off. Not because, listen, not because you didn't believe God. Not because you didn't love God, not because you planned, you know, one day you were going to get around to it, but you, you just didn't. You, you just never, never got around to it. Or maybe if you're honest, you know there have been times when you've chosen the easy, not the disciplined. Or maybe you'd be honest enough to realize, you know, there are times when I've been prideful in the sense that I've been the one in control. I've done what I thought was best, even though I... I understood what God was asking of me. Am I stuck? Should I just be content with what I have? See, you know what midlife crisis is? This realization. Midlife crisis is when you and I realize that we might not accomplish all the things we dreamed of accomplishing. That we were surprised by our age. And it seems like one day we had all the time in the world to start a business or become wealthy or to begin a family. And now it seems impossible. Is that true? Does God say too bad? Well, there's a story in the Old Testament. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 30. David had went out with his boys to battle. And when he came back, everything was stolen. His possessions were stolen, his wives were stolen, his kids were stolen, and, and the guys were so mad they almost took David's life. And look at what David does. In Psalm 30, verse 6, it says, David strengthened himself with trust in his God. So that's the first thing he does. He gets his alignment with God. And then he asks, he prays to God, and he asks God the question, shall I go after these raiders? Can I catch them? And I love the answer. The answer came, go after them. Yes, David, you will catch them. Yes, you'll make the rescue. That's good news for you and me. Because even though the enemy has snuck into our life and he has stolen from us something that he does not own, our promotion, our destiny, our dream, and we go to God and we're like, God, what am I supposed to do? Should I just settle for what I have? Should I give up on the dream? And God is like, no, you need to go after it. And you need to get it. That's exactly what he told David. And then look with me in Deuteronomy chapter 30, same idea. Except for here, he's talking about the people of God. He's talking about Israel. They had allowed the enemy to steal their, their destiny or their promotion. And look at what it says. He says, and you must return to the Lord your God, obeying his voice, in line with all that I'm commanding you right now, you and your children with all your mind and your being. Then the Lord your God will, what's that next word? 
No, no, no. This is a much better word than you're saying it. What is it? Yeah, restore you as you were before and have compassion on you. In other words, what is God saying? He's saying don't give up. No matter what age you are, no matter how much the enemy is stolen, do not give up, do not surrender, but stop whining, stop blaming those around you, stop being the victim. See, listen to me, there, you and I cannot be the victim, why? Because it's not within our power, but it is within his power. And he tells us, look, don't give up on that dream, don't give up on that destiny. Even though the enemy has taken something from you that Jesus died to give you, God will still empower you to experience that in your life. Go after it, go after it, but how, how do you do that? I mean, this is, this is like the turning point of this whole teaching on promotion. How do you go after it? Well, well he told us. He said to, to David, strengthen yourself with trust. You might circle that word. Trust in what? Trust in your ability, David, with fast horses to catch those guys. Trust yourself, David, in your ability to fight. Trust yourself, David, in your wisdom. Trust yourself, David, in the size of your kingdom. No, no. David strengthened himself with trust in what? In his God. And then when you look at Deuteronomy chapter 30, and you must return to the Lord. You must return to the Lord, obeying his voice with all your mind and all your being. In other words, how do we go after it? How do we get back what the enemy has stolen? How do we experience what Jesus said in John 10, 10? My purpose is to give you life rich and satisfying. It's about positioning. Isn't that what David, what did David do? He repositioned himself. Rather than the trust within his own strength, David realized when he got back, he was a powerful man. He was one of the best warriors in all the land, but he couldn't even protect his own wives and kids. So what did David do? He repositioned himself with his confidence, not in himself, but his confidence in God. Even the people, the Israelites, of God, the, Israelites the people of God, says return. The first thing he says, what does that mean? Return. It means reposition. Reposition. Turn the alarm back on. God's desire, according to Scripture, is to promote you. Not some of you. Not the smart ones of us. Not the wealthy ones. Not the ones who are born into the right family or live in the right part of town. That God's desire in creating you is to promote you. But you have to reposition yourself. You have to trust him. You have to decide that he knows more about relationships than you do. He knows more about sex than you or I. He knows more about money than you or I. He knows more about business. And until you and I determine that, and until we reposition ourselves, listen, you have to do it with your own strength. It be your own wisdom, your own strength, your own power. And one day, most people, just like David, realize or learn they're not strong enough. They're not strong enough to control everyone and everything. Reposition. You have to decide. I have to decide. Would you bow your head? I want to invite you to do that right where you're sitting. Don't give up may have been taken the time may be short but God is all-powerful he 
You just have to reposition. Strengthen yourself in trusting God. Determine that you're going to follow. Father, if we're honest, some of us, me, we've allowed the enemy to use the tool of procrastination. Oh, we're well intended and we plan on getting around to it but we just keep putting it off. Or maybe it's pleasure, God. We choose the easy over the discipline. We choose the easy over the hard. Or God, we just struggle with pride. We struggle to trust you. We want to. We really do. But when, when the rubber hits the road, God, it's just so hard to give it over to you. I pray that you would help me to reposition myself, to truly trust you, to get back and to restore what the enemy has stolen from me that he has no right to. You died for me and you created me. May I and may all of us experience our promotion. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you give God a hand?